A reading from 1 Samuel, verse 3, 3, verses 1 through 10, from the New Revised Standard Version. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying on, down in the temple of the Lord where the, ark of, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lie down, and the Lord called again, Samuel, Samuel, got up, and he went to Eli, and he said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the, Lord, and the word of the Lord had not been, yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there and calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. This is the word of God. And we are in epiphany season. You want the microphone? Yes. Okay. This better? <laughs> we are in Christmas tide, and we are in the epiphany season this uh, few Sundays. So here we have a story, the story of Samuel. In Samuel, you probably remember the story of his mother, Hannah. Hannah really wanted to have a child, and she couldn't. And uh, she kind of made this uh, pact with God that if she could conceive and bear a son, born a son, um, she would give, it, give him to the Lord. So the Lord did his part, and Hannah had Samuel, and Samuel... Uh, was then brought to the temple, and Eli, who was the priest at the time, um, raised Samuel in the temple. That's why Samuel was sleeping in the place where the Ark of God, uh, the Ark of the Covenant was in the temple, in, the, in, in a very holy place in, in the temple. So this is the, the framework that we have today. This is what's going on. Samuel is sleeping, he is still very young, 
and he's sleeping in this holy place and he hears his name three times he feels uh he, he, he hears his name called and he goes to the one he knows in that place who is the priest eli um almost his father for all practical purposes the man who raised him and, and says, what do you want? And Samuel is not the one calling. This is an epiphany story because epiphany uh, is a, a series of those aha moments. We celebrated last Sunday that the uh, wise men came to Jesus and they were surprised by this revelation while being in the Far East that they had to come to this little town of Bethlehem to look for a newborn king and following a star. Remember that? So that was an aha moment for them. And this is an aha moment for Samuel. A couple of things that the scriptures say, uh, says is that um, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. This was a dry spell for the people of Israel, for the people of God, who were not, for some reason, were not uh, keeping up with the Lord. They were not. The, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Sounds familiar? Um, and, and visions were not common either. People didn't have visions from God, a vision from God. And it feels like sometimes um, we are in the same pattern, um, especially here in our country where uh, the word of the Lord is rare. Uh, and, and, and the people who have the, the, the word of the Lord have really worried visions about what it means to be a Christian. I might say. Um, so what's going on here, what's going on with us, is, it's not new. It was happening back then. And the other thing is that Samuel, although raised in the temple by a priest, did not know God. The, the scripture says Samuel did not know God. Interesting. How many people... In churches, do not know God. So many, so many people, they think they know God. They say they know God. They claim to know God, and they live as if they don't. Isn't that sad? So, the first thing I want to say to you the first question I have for you, today is a message full of questions, I have to say. The first question is, how do we know God? How do we, know, how do we get to know God? Samuel is laying in bed, sleeping, not knowing God. Somebody calls. He doesn't know his God. He doesn't know a thing about God, apparently. He goes to the next person to him and says, here I am, you call me. And um, how does Samuel get to know that this is God? 
How do we in our lives know when we are called, when we are called, how do we know it's God? How do we get to know God in our lives? Some people get to know God in their lives through experience, direct experience with, with the unknown, with the almighty, with uh, uh, the one who can make wonders. Some people read scripture and find in scripture the, the reality of a God that transcends our reality. Some people go to church since they are born and naturally and progressively they grow in the knowledge of that God that is so familiar to them. Some are punching the face with the reality that God is there and God can transform your life. So many experiences. We get to know God in so many different ways. The important thing is that we get to the point where we can say, God and I have an intimate relationship. We know each other. It's easy to say that God knows me because we believe in a God that is all knowledgeable, right? God knows all things, so God knows me. And, and we proclaim big statements like saying, God knows how many hairs you have in your head. And God knows everything I'm thinking. And those sometimes are um, vocalizations of, of wishful thinking. Sometimes we don't really know what, the, what that means, but we say it anyways because we repeat what we heard from others. But we're talking about experience here. We're talking about experiencing God, experiencing God. Learning about God is great. Knowing God intellectually is fabulous. But experiencing God in our lives, in our everyday lives, is what comes in handy when life doesn't go that well. When things are not the way we expect them to be. When Samuel goes to Eli, and it's not Eli who's calling Samuel, it's unexpected to him, and he doesn't know what to do with it. So, Eli, the mentor, the teacher, tells him what to do. The Lord was calling the boy. The Lord, it was the Lord that was calling the boy. So here's my second question to you. How does God call us? How does God call you? Have you experienced the call of God in your life? Because God calls us to different things. God calls us to serve, usually in churches when we talk about being called by God, we talk about somebody who discovers a Christian vocation and decides to go to seminary and become a pastor. And, and we know that kind of call. It's easy to recognize. Um, what about being called to serve? What about being called to being uh, a volunteer at the breakfast here in the church? What about being called to um, walk alongside a friend who has a lot of problems in, in their lives? Um, 
What about a cold? There are so many colds. I, if I started enumerating all that come to my mind, I would spend here until, I don't know, a week or so. And you don't want me to do that. So you think about the call that God has issued on your life. How has God called you? And, and, and look, another thing the church has done, uh, the church has done, is to separate what is uh, sacred from what is secular, right? We say, well, the world is here and the church is here. God is here and the world is here. And these are two different paths and two different roads that we take. And we walk on both at the same time. They're parallel. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they, they go uh, away from each other, uh, a distance. Um, that is not quite so. I have to tell you this. Life is one. It's your life. Your life is one. You don't have two lives. You don't have a sacred life and a secular life. And, and that has caused a lot of trouble for Christians over the years. Because when you think you have two separate lives, it's like uh, some people give themselves permission to do whatever in their secular life as long as they keep coming to church on Sundays, right? And, and that's not quite right. That's, that's not helping us too much because that's uh, promoting a kind of uh, spiritual schizophrenia where we have two personalities. On Sunday, we are one person, and on Mondays, we are a different person. At the office, we are one person, and in church, we are a different person. And that has caused a lot of trouble to people, to families, and to churches. And to the world that has discredited the church with the world. Uh -uh. I think that we have only one life. And our life is our life in God. Where we move in the world according to his will and his call. So you may have felt the call from God to be a teacher. You may have felt the call from God to be a therapist or to be a doctor or to, to serve God through your profession. That vocation that you have, vocation actually means call. It's a word that comes from the Latin and it comes from vocative, which means call. Your vocation is your call and your call comes from God. And it comes from God to everyone. Problem is that many people, like Samuel, don't know the Lord, and many people cannot recognize the voice of God and think the call comes from somewhere else. But our call comes from God. And it's a call to serve, whether in the church or in the world, it's all the same. This is God's theater. God's theater. And we're all actors in the same play. So, how do you feel, sense, hear the call of God? Think about those things. I don't have an answer for you. It has to be your answer to that question. And then Eli gives instructions to Samuel and says, okay, when you hear me calling you again, 
You just say, speak, Lord, for I am listening. And Samuel does so. He's very obedient, and he does exactly that with um, the, the fourth call, actually. The fourth time he hears his name called, he does that. So here's my third question for you. How do we respond to the call from God? How do we respond? I could talk about how we should respond. <laughs> I could I would talk about how I could talk about how I responded when I heard the call of God, which is pretty evident because I'm here preaching. <laughs> but how do you respond to the call of God? When God interrupts your sleep and calls you by name, and although hard to recognize, you have to say, what? That's your answer. Fill in the blanks. That needs to be your answer. How, what do you have to say when God interrupts your life and calls you? And sometimes at the worst time. Sometimes when, when you thought you had it all set. All of a sudden, God comes and says, well, I want you to do this. And you say, come on, God, now? Really? Me? How can I do that? And we have so many excuses. You remember the people in the Bible? So many in the, in, in the Hebrew Bible giving excuses to God, right? Yes? Oh, yeah. Moses said, oh, no, I, I stutter. I cannot talk. Jeremiah said, I'm a child. I'm too young. How can I do this? Isaiah said, oh, no, I don't have clean lips. I curse a lot. <laughs> How do we respond to the call from God? I'm going to read the last two, uh, the two following verses of this passage. The reading today stopped at number 10. I'm going to read 11 and 12 when I find it. Oh, here. It is here. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. Hmm. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. God is calling Samuel to be a prophet. Samuel was one of the great prophets of Israel. Samuel was responsible for giving, uh, for anointing, uh, king David to be the king of Israel. Samuel has a special place in the history, uh, in the Judeo-Christian history. Samuel was an amazing man. He was the last of the uh, prophet slash priest uh, dual function. He was also a judge, so he was also in government. He was an amazing person who was in touch with God and, and recognized God's voice and, and spoke it to the people 
without hesitation. This is the call of Samuel to be a prophet. And the prophecy that God gives to Samuel is harsh because he loved Eli. He was very tied to Eli. And he had to give Eli a message of destruction. Tomorrow we celebrate the birth of Martin Luther King Jr. A great prophet to this nation. A great prophet called by God to tell us what was wrong with us. A hard message. God gave him a hard message to deliver. A pastor and a prophet. One of the great foreparents of this nation. God gave him a hard message. And he responded by saying, here I am, Lord. Send me. I will do this hard as maybe. And he laid down his life for this message. I don't know if God is calling one of us to be the next great person in this country. I don't know. When I see the children sitting here, I wonder, who will be the next great prophet that arises in this nation? Who will be? Maybe you are like Eli, raising a child that will be a great prophet and a great priest. Who knows? With all our shortcomings, with all our all that is wrong with us, <laughs> all that is wrong with me. I don't know if I'm raising the next great prophet. It all depends on how I know God how I hear God's call, and how I respond to it. God bless you all.